Hey, Bree, how you doing? Hey, good and pretty good. How are you, Mario? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Hey, I was psyched to see you and Cameron climbing last week. How did uh, your session go? It was pretty good. Haven't been on ropes in a while. I feel like I just need to start training a little bit more again. What was that hangboard you mentioned to us? Uh, oh, it was the flashboard. And I think it's the best one because you can use it indoors. You can use it outdoors. It doesn't really matter where you use it. You can hang it on stuff. You don't have to mount it to your wall, so it's pretty dope. Oh, that's great, because I feel like I can't put holes anywhere in my house, but yeah, that's awesome. Where can I get it? Uh, you can go to Tension's website, and then whenever you do, just drop in the promo code TENSIONSAS20. You'll get 20% off. You'll support the podcast, and yeah, but then they'll get it to you on the quickness. Oh, sick. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Are you guys climbing again this weekend? Yeah, I think we'll hit up uh, maybe the new... Rope gym down in the design district. Oh, uh, the new movement is finally open. Nice. Finally, after our long wait. I know. That's a long wait, but I'm excited. Well, I'm looking forward to climbing with both of you guys, and I'll see you guys this weekend. Yeah, I'll catch you later. Bye. Friends and enemies, lovers and haters, welcome to Sends and Suffers podcast. I am your host, Mario Stanley. So today is the continuation of my conversation with Craig, which has been... Pretty awesome to go back and listen to this. I, you know, some episodes give me goosebumps, some give me giggles. This one, I just, I don't know. I don't know if solidarity is the right word, but I feel very kindred. And um, Craig is an awesome dude. And if you guys haven't had a chance to look him up, please look him up on social media. His All his information is in the show notes. Everything you need to find him. Support what he's doing because he's an amazing individual. And as always, support this podcast. If you don't already, follow, like, subscribe. Leave us a comment. I'd love to hear what you think. If you love it, if you hate it. That's why I asked for the haters to be here and the lovers. I want to hear from you all. But that's enough about me. Let's get into this episode with Craig talking about his life in Puerto Rico, helping people, coaching people, and just being an all-around badass. I hope you enjoy the episode. But one of the things I want to, the first topic I want to address is like, do children have PTSD from being locked, from lockdown? Because I know four of my kids, they're not the same. Like, Hell yeah. Like they're, they're sweet. They're loving. They're just as funny as they are. But like, like this level of like, I just, I, I, I can't put my thumb on it. It's like, they used to try with veracity with like just being ferocious. Now they try with anger. Like when they really mm. want to try with a route, like when they're really trying to do a mode, they would like just be ferocious. And now I feel like it's not ferocious, it's anger. And I, I, that's a really poor example, but like, it's like this hairline difference. And as a coach, you know, and I've been coaching some of these kids since they were six years old and they're 17 now, you know? And so knowing them for more than half their lives, and, um, so the isolation maybe makes them angry. I don't know. I don't know. Like, but that's like, but I don't want to use the word anger. I just, I, it's just, I, I don't know what else to say because right. like, it's, it's not quite like what it was, but it can't go be, it can't be what it was, but it's not quite like the client, the sport is the same, but the way they approach it is just a hair different. And I can see when they just like things don't go their way, they rage. I can see their relationship to the sport. Like this is it's just changed. And so it's just hearing you say this, it's like, you know, it to me, it sounds like, you know, a better way to describe this is like it is it is it just a massive amount of water behind a dam. Right. But you you can't just turn on the faucet. Mm-hmm. Like the, the floodgates open. And then it is a slow process to see that they'll close. The gates will close. It's going to happen. Absolutely. But it's like, you know, the wind, imagine just a comical thing in your head of a movie where the gates is going in, going in, the valley's getting flooded and the gates closing and it's happening and the valley's flooding. And then eventually the gate closes and 
the valley was flooded and then the aftermath, but then everybody will eventually pick up all the pieces. But like, but like that's their reality on a, on a, on a regular, right? Like that's how, like looking at some of my kids watching, like how they respond to like another kid or a, a situation that they deem unfair or like, you know, as coaches, like I make rock climbs that they're not going to finish. Like I yeah, make them hard right. enough that's, where they're not going to. That's gonna, the object, right? Yeah. And then they just like, I've had kids just lose it after a couple of days. And I'm just like, like the, you know, this is how it's supposed to be. Right. And it's just been this process. And I'm curious if it's kind of the same way. It is because they, the veterans won't maybe be, you know, that individual was angry, but it wasn't at at a climbing specific thing. That mm-hmm. was a life yeah. thing. But like even yesterday we had a new veteran um, who is a visually impaired veteran and he, they put him on a route. The first route he did was probably like five, eight, five, nine. And he just hiked up it. Right. Just mm-hmm. no problems. And so then the, the VA therapist said to me, what's harder for him? And I'm like, well, let's just find a harder route. And so uh, I went over to him and I said, Hey man, I have your next route when you're ready. And he was like, the way you said that, he's like, I feel like I should be scared. And I'm like, don't be scared, man. We go over and I'm showing him this route. And I said, here's the thing. I said, so like, just because a route is steep doesn't mean it's hard. It just means it's steep. And Uh I said, just because a route got big holds doesn't mean it's easy. Easy. Right. It's just like, that shit doesn't mean that like that, that I'm going to put you on this thing. That's going to be harder. And he was like, well, but it's not as steep. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, but those holds are big. I'm like, yep, sure. I'm like, let's get you up there and see what you think. And so literally dude, he went 10 feet and he just got served. And I said, do you see the difference now? And he was like, now I do. And I said, here's the beautiful thing about climbing. When you hike up that first route, there's always one harder. I always, I said, no matter where you go, you can always Amen. find a, a new challenge to this. And I said, and that's the beauty. I said, you don't want to get up everything all the time. That'd be boring as shit. No, right? no. You want to learn things. And, and I said, I was trying to teach him. I was like, here's Here's what a mantle is. Here's how you heel hook. Here's ways to move efficiently over these different kinds of terrain that will get you to the top eventually. But like, it's not going to be today. Might not be tomorrow. Might not be next month. That's just not how this game works. And so to watch them hear that and learn that and go and appreciate it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think sometimes kids maybe don't have that, that wealth of knowledge to pull from. No, they don't have that life They don't have experience. the life experience. Yeah. Exactly. So this guy, he's been, you know, I mean, he's mid thirties or whatever. He, um, he's got a lot more to pull from. Right. And so mm-hmm. he's like, oh yeah. He's like, okay, cool. He's like, I kind of dig this whole thing, you know? And like I said, he went first route, boom, no problem. He went whatever, how tall the walls are here. Uh, um, 30, 45, 30, 30, 30 to 55. Okay. So he was like left of the lead wall. Oh, he, you guys are on the yellow route. He got on pills. that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as soon as you said mantle, I was like, it has to be this one. It was. Out. And dude, he was, it was awesome watching. I was like, he's trying to do it. And I was like, Hey, turn your hand and do this. And he did it and it worked. He was like, holy shit. And I'm like, yeah, mechanics, right? Like body mechanics are <laughs> rad. And he's like, I'm like, you know, when all that time in physics, like you didn't, like I never took physics in high school or anything, but I was like, you know, we laughed like now comes yeah. in, comes in handy. Math, that science Dude, and rock climbing go hand in hand. It's pretty amazing. And, and to watch him go, oh, this is cool. Like, okay. Um, like he understands, like, we're not going to get up to that pipe every time. It's just not going to happen. Um, we don't all clip the chains every day. It's just. No, no, that, yeah. I mean, that's such is life. We exactly. Life, yeah. Exactly. And I think that, I think you drawed on, you hit the nail on the head with me and the kids. It's like, they just don't have enough life experience to know that. Totally. Like, sometimes you just have to embrace the suck and the suck might last a few days, but it always ends. Yep. It, it, it always comes to an end and you just kind of have to manage through that. And even telling like, I'll work with young climbers now and and you know they'll say like what's how long have you worked on a route and i was like dude i've worked on routes for years still working and, on some of them and they're just like years i'm like yeah man like it doesn't always like just fall into place it's like you've just jack it up you know that i thought i was going to clip the chains and then didn't clip it for two years it's like you know all that shit it's just weird i think what people don't realize is rock for the most part rock climbing is constant you are not correct and I think that's like the big misconception. It's like, like I've been working on routes for a long time and people are like, you should have just gotten this route done. And I'm like, uh. well, I mean, my life wasn't the same, uh, you know, moved and getting a new place, COVID. I mean, like the, the list goes on and I, and to a certain extent, are some of them excuses? Yes. And then to a certain extent, some of them are just like, like, that's sorry, re- my, it's reality. It's the reality of living a real life. Like yeah. once you 
leave the nest. You are, I mean, being on your own is on your own. It's a fluid state. Yeah. And even married doesn't matter. Like it's just, you're not the same person at approach it. And yeah. I think kids have a hard time wrapping their brain around that. And even new climbers in the beginning, it's just like, it doesn't matter what's going on. It's just like, you are not the same person every day. And, and, and they're like, I was improving all the time. And then I'm, now I'm not. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's life. Like, you should get used to that because you're going to be sad. I mean, it's like, yeah, it, it's whatever. It's funny. Uh, so, okay. So what is this program that you guys are, uh, is the program that you guys are trying to do with the BA here in Dallas? Is that unique to this, this, uh, BA here in DFW? So it's unique to them. Yeah. So they're, they'll be doing a biking program here and they'll do a climbing program here. She's been doing a climbing program, um, at summit, but what she has done, they've been very easy entry point people. So it's like, basically they're just climbing as a regular individual, you know, no special need like no adaptation really needed. Mm -hmm. Um, they're just working with PTSD and that, that way, you know, when they walk into the gym, it's pretty much like flip in climb. Yeah, exactly. So now, um, she, the therapist would like to expand that to like more physical disabilities, which is why I came in to help them. So it's like, she just wants to make it more inclusive to her, her population. So you, they must have like some different, um, needs now because it's all cyclical. You know, the people are, they, they're in the VA for a certain amount of time then they kick out and they're on their own. So her new crop of individuals must have, um, more needs than she had previously. So wait a minute, what do you mean? Like they go through a, a group of people and they, they don't, they don't so, stay in like they have inpatient and outpatient. Uh, so she is an inpatient therapist and then she works with outpatients as well. So what happened by that? I mean, when they go in, as an inpatient, it's a six week program usually. So they do six weeks of intense therapy with them. And then that is supposed to give them enough tools to then be outpatient where they can still come do the programs, but then they, they're not having to like go to the VA every day kind of a thing. This is a much more complex question, but I'm like, I'm always, I, I don't know. It's the word I hate in the world. The word I hate the most in the world is supposed uh, uh, yeah. like that. Or like yeah. that those yeah. two things. You're healed like, now. It's like, you're supposed to have this stuff. And it's just kind of like, everyone is so, so different. It's like, I was arguing with someone when before they're like, I don't understand why everybody just can't come out of the ghetto or the hood. And just like, there's basketball players, there's this and that. And I'm like, that's, that's not a thing. Like not like, even it's, close. It's not a thing. And it's like, and it doesn't matter whether you're black and poor, white and poor, Mexican and poor, whoever you are, like poverty is a very complex, emotional, physical, psych- psychological disease. Right. And it ripples you for generations because don't have the ability. You have never, you've never been taught to critically think about how to escape it. You're taught. I mean, you're, you're basically taught how to cook without a, you're basically taught in your whole life. How do I cook without a stove? Right. Instead of like, let me get a job and buy a new stove. Right. Okay. Well, what skills do I need to get in order to get a job? Okay. Well, what, 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 what all this critical process. You're like, nah, nah, I ain't got no stove. I'm just gonna cook anyway. You know? And, and that's like, that's like, that's, you're right. Like that is such a big, like discrepancy. That's a shitty word for it, but no, like, uh, it, yeah, it's a, that's a good way to put it. And it's the same. The healthcare system is same exact same thing. They don't give the, the tool to solve the problem. They basically just like perpetuate the problem. So not, not on purpose either. It's like, uh, we're trying to do the best we can, but we can't give everyone the, the tool, the right tool for every, cause everyone's different. Right. Yeah. So like you and I are different. Every person in the healthcare system is different. So same with everyone on the economic scale, it's different. You can't just say like that person Well, pro basketball players did it. Well, shit, that, that, that's not. Yeah. I mean, the, I, I get, there's a certain, I mean, like every, there's a not, there's a lot of people in the world who like catch up, but not everybody does. Like there's, totally. a, there's there, there will be a thing that like services a lot. And I understand like both my parents are veterans. So like I've heard stories about like navigating the VA. It's, oh, a, it's a monster. It's a, it's a and it's job been mismanaged for decades. It's Absolutely. Been, like, like I don't care who you are, what you vote for every administration for at least from my understanding for the last Decade and a half, maybe two decades, probably let's just say two decades. Yeah. The VA has been that's a safe mismanaged bet. and it, it's, it's, it's a whole nother thing that infuriates me because like, it's a bureaucracy, it's, which it, is sad, but, but out of, 
it's the one thing that should not be a bureaucracy. I, I agree. Like you can, totally I mean, you agree. can bureaucracy anything else you want, but like nature and people don't do that. Like and nature we, and people. And we are fortunate to work, you know, we don't have to work within the bureaucracy. We are able to just work with them one-on-one. So like I get nice. to work with the veteran. Yeah, exactly. So I don't have to like, I feel really bad for the therapist because they're the ones who have to work with that bureaucracy every day. And it's like, holy shit. Like all we're trying to do is help some people have a better quality of life. Like why the fuck would you fight this? And yet they fight it. Like they're so dumb. It's just like these programs don't cost a lot of money. Um, you know, you can have us come and do these programs for, you know, climbers. I do everything on the cheap, right? So I've been a dirtbag my whole life. So it's like, I, I just translate that into my work experiences. Right. So why would you fight that? Right. Like, dude, just let us, let us run, like, let it happen. I mean, yeah, I get checks and balances Absolutely, need to happen, totally. but like you can, I mean, you can get three people out there just to stand and watch and give you the thumbs up and move on. And, you know, if three or more disagree, then there's a bigger problem. But, um, yeah, that's like, it's just, it, that's interesting. I'm psyched to know that you're doing that. And then, uh, uh, how can people help you support you? get it moving in other states. Oh, yeah. And then uh, do you have like a call to action for people who are, uh, I hate the word disable. I like, I just hate it, but I think it like, I always want to say, I don't different. mind it. I don't mind it. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I, it's, it's so it's, it's funny. Like I, I was talking with a friend of ours and, and they were like, I, they're like, if I say disabled to you, is that offensive? And she's a, a black woman. And I said, is it bad if I say black woman? And she was like, no, why? And I'm like, I don't think disabled is bad either. They're like what? Just say it. Just be yeah. my, th- like, just be honest or not honest. Just be yourself. Yeah. And then people pick up on that and they're like, yeah, cool. Okay. We're just going to go down the path. And if they say something that offends me, I'll say, oh, don't, maybe don't say it that way. Like this is a more, a, an easier way for, to say that. Um, but for me, it's like disability to say there's all this people first language that you're supposed to use, but I've always stumbled all over it. And yeah, no, nah, I mean, it, it, it's complicated. I it's think super complicated. I honestly believe it's all going to kind of mellow down within the next 10 years because I hope so. Well, I think it's just, honestly, it's just, it's, it's like, uh, I was talking to a few people about it and it's like, they're like pronouns and this and right, that. And right. That. And I was like, I think the thing about it is, is it's like, I'm going to do a big stretch here, a big, big stretch, but I think I'll, I'll, I'll hook it back around here. But it's like, I was talking to people. It's like, it is like when Farrakhan found, when, well, no, I think it's when Farrakhan on talked about, um, talked about like with, uh, talking to white people about like using the N word or black culture or this or that. And people were so unarmed, like, uh, like afraid. They're like, well, the fear of this. Oh yeah. And the thing, the thing about it is that I want to talk about it. Like, so it was him. And then you have all these other people throughout history talking about like race and this. And then now we're at a point where, you know, and you know, I'm, I'm all for it, but like you have black people finally talking about like, not just reformations, but you talk about like very openly about like, how all these things connect and how all these things are a problem. And then now you starting, you're seeing LBGTQ pop right. up and you're starting yep. to see people talk about these things And the point. What I'm trying to bring up is, is they are talking about them when they are, should have been things that have been behind closed doors, not posted on social media, not public conversations, not conversations like, Oh, my child does not need to hear you to have this conversation. Right. Or I don't want to be surrounded by this conversation. And the reality is, is you, you kind of had to obey that for the fear of violence right. being put on you. Right. You know, and it's like, you know, I, I say this, it's like the group in power, it's predominantly been white, but the group in power has always has a history of violence towards the other. Yeah. The other does not have a history of violence towards the group in power. No, that's not a thing. Exactly. And so I think that what people don't understand is for black LBGTQ people who do not identify anyone who is just considered the other um, disabled, like at the end of the day, even though quote unquote, those days are maybe gone in certain urban metropolises, but they're not because majority of America is still rural. Yeah. And I'm not saying that rural people are that way, but it's just like, I mean, when no one's around, shit can go down. Yeah. And I think the thing that people don't understand is, is like, look at this from a generational standpoint. 
there's always been that grandmother or grandpa or someone is like, hey, you better mind your P's and Q's because someone will knock you out for that. And you're like, nah, it's not that way anymore. But that notion is still back in your it, mind. Yeah. Because the people in power have a history of perpetuating violence towards anyone that is, it disrupts their power or is not, it, that is other, period. And I think that's like what people don't understand. And I think now what we're doing is we're finally having conversations that are a little bit more open. Granted, it's behind a screen in social media. And I really wish, I mean, you know, like, like the stupid movie, the purge where they kill anybody for 24 hours. I just wish that it was like, it would, it would, it was the purge in reverse and for 24 hours a day. Once a year, we are all required to talk to people who, who we do not agree with. Right, right. And just like you're required to like, you're not required to reach a resolution, but you are required to have a conversation with them. And just, right. just like be immersed in their world and understand. And I think if we did it all over food, ethnic food, I think the conversations go really well. It's like what we were talking about when we first started. It was like the best thing that has ever happened to me and my wife was moving to a place where we were not the majority, we were the minority. Um, we are the, in Puerto Rico, we are the white one, the climber guy. Um, but it's like, you realize, holy shit, like people should know that like, because when you're the white male, who's, it's always been easy for, you don't, you don't, somebody can say that to you and you're like, I kind of understand what you're saying, but you're like, you don't, you don't, you, you definitely don't. And so then when you're in it, you go, Oh, I still don't know what that's about or, you know, for how that is for you. But it's like, you, it gives you a window of like, but you have a perspective. now. Exactly. Exactly. So do you think it's interesting? So, and I've, I've said this before to people visiting a country is not the same as moving there. Oh my God. It's and so night and day. I think you have a very good perspective of that. Like, you know, people were like, well, I'll just visit another country. I'm like, it's not the same. Like, no, you know, you're leaving, but yeah. like, you guys live there. And I think that was probably, was that like, like, I guess, was it just immediately, like, once you moved there, you moved in, you're like, wow, this is, like, culturally, everything is very different. Yeah. And it, it, and it was, like, once you're there for more than, like, two weeks, you're, you, you go, oh, shit. Okay, so culturally, this is different. Everything about this is different. Um, the language barrier, everything. And so, because I don't, I speak eh, Spanish. It's, like, not very good. I can understand it, but, like, not. Puerto Ricans speak really fast, like, like Mach 10. Right. So I always have to tell our friends, like, please slow down. Like, if you want me to understand, please just help me. Um, but like you, you realize, okay, like this is, everything is different. Everything from going to the grocery store to, um, ordering food to pumping gas. Like you have to, you have to now fit into this other thing. And we did it because we, we like that. Like mm -hmm. we wanted to something different. Um, and we had the ability to continue working and, and like interact with this whole group that we had worked with, but not, like now we get to work with all the time, which we love. And so, um, but even before we did it, we talked to our friends who are, you know, just like multi-generational Puerto Ricans. They were like, if you do move, like we want you to move, but like, just know it ain't the U S and you can hear that and go. Yeah, what is still the U.S. and then you get there and you're like, it's not no, the U.S. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely not the U.S. <laughs> and so we just like for us, it's it's I love it. Um, I love the the cultural differences. I love the community. I love the people. The climbing community there is incredible. Um, and just like it makes you realize, like Spanish culture is very family based and very relational. We don't do that as much here in the states. You know, it's like it's. it's it's different, right? It's, it's just different. And you, when you're there, you, you go, Oh, that's totally different. And I wonder if it's going to stay that like that. Well, when we live here and the beautiful thing is it, it actually is better. Cause now they're like, Oh my God. Yeah. You live here. Like, let us help you do this. And da, 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 da. it's just nice. It's a very nice feeling. Uh, you know, I, I have a question I want to ask you. I'm saying that's so why I remember the question, but I cannot remember what book or article or something I read, but Someone, I want to say, I'll find this later on and put it in the show notes, but someone talked about like the death of the family unit is having kids having their own rooms because in every other oh, culture yeah. in the world, like all, everybody sleeps in their own room, sleeps together and is always in these rooms together. But then people have called them savages or primitive or anything like that. But it's like, but when you, it's this very different. Like I remember 
going to Jamaica, visiting my family there. And me, my little brothers, my mom and my dad, we all slept in the same room yeah, all the time. Totally. And it was always a very different experience. My mom would be like, every time we come back for like a month, all of you guys would sleep in me and your dad's room. Like you guys would just refuse to sleep in your own rooms. Right. And I think that's like something, and I'm not saying like that's the way it is over there, but I think when you have cultures that have just like, they encourage like, oh yeah, yeah. Stay in here. Encourage totally. this. And it's like, in here, it's like, you're in trouble. Go to your room here. It's like, go, you can just go to a place to be alone. And then, but I don't, I had that privilege when I was a kid, but I always chose to be around my family. Even if I was in trouble, I mean, I, I could still be in trouble. I just wasn't allowed to do very much. Right. And it's multi-generational too, which I, I love is like, you have people who live with their parents, but it's not like, cause they couldn't move out. No, they, they just live with their, they just, the house is, that's just what you do. Right. Yeah, you live my, with- my neighbor, we live in a, a really fun, like really cool community of like all, there are no, um, uh, I hate, I don't like to say expats cause it's, it's not an expat thing. It's like, mm-hmm. it's still the, it's a territory. So, um, but everyone in, or, around us is Puerto Rican. Um, and so it's like, many of my neighbors have multi-generations living in the family, um, married, you know, other kids. It's like, that's, that's amazing. Like when you see that, you're like, Holy oh, shit. It's like it's the house feels different. It feels completely different. And, and not only like that, they, they were funny when we moved, one of our friends was like, he's like, we actually make fun of people sometimes because he's like, they'll come here and they're like, we want to live here too. And they're like, no, you don't. You want to go, you want a vacation here. <laughs> very different. And I, and when you live there, you like, you know, they're, like I said, they're very relational. They're very um, chatty and fun. And like when my neighbor, like you can't like say, Hey, and just keep walking because you're a dick, right? <laughs> like you, you need to stop. And they're, they're just like, dude, just slow it down. And when I, when we first moved, this will encapsulate my Puerto Rico experience. We were, Cindy hadn't gotten there yet. And I took some veterans climbing. This is last year. And um, there's like six of them. And we're walking to the cliff. And this one gal, her name's Rebecca. She's awesome. And she goes, all right, dude, now that you live here, a local, we got to get some shit out of the way. And I'm like, oh, damn it. Here we go. And she's just like, these 10 a.m. starts, like, no, this is too early in the morning. And I'm like, 10 a.m. is too early? She's like, yeah. 11 o'clock. She's like, Puerto Ricans don't like to get up early. And I'm like, okay, no, that's cool. And she goes, second of all, if you say 11 o'clock, that's a soft 11. That's like 11, 15, 11, 20. We're still on time. She's like, don't like look at your, she's like, you get there at like 1030 when we're going to start at 11. I'm like, well, I got to get my shit out. And she's like, no, you don't like get there at 11. We'll get your shit out. It'll be fine. And we've totally adopted it now. Like if I say 11, I roll up at 11, 1105, get the stuff out there. They'll roll in and we all kind of get their kit for them. But it's like, I told Cindy that she was like, oh my God, they think we're super uptight. And I'm like, and Coloradans are not uptight. Like when we went there, I thought we were pretty laid back. And then you get there and you're like, we weren't that laid back. Like, holy no. crap. They give like, they're professional laid back. It's, it's pretty fun. So That's interesting. Cause my next question was going to be like, what was your sombering moment of like growth or like something that you realized that you learned? And so, yeah, that's- that was it, dude. That was, it was like, wow, I thought I was pretty mellow. And I was like, I'm just not that mellow. Yeah, dude, island time is different. Island, island, it's a real thing. Island time. There is such a thing as island time. And it infuriates, like it, we watch people come visit us and they're just like, yeah, they, we waited forever to get our check. And I'm like, yeah, where were you going? Like, <laughs> just, just, just drink. hang out, man. Yeah, just, just drink. It's fine. Like, yeah, they'll get it to you. Yeah, no, I, I've definitely, I have definitely been guilty of that visiting and then but once you kind of get settled into yep. it it's kind of like this and then a- when you come back you really like when i landed oh, i imagine it was culture shock dude it's fucked up like you you when you land in puerto rico like this is a easy thing for people to grasp you know you land on the island and when they bring the jet bridge out in puerto rico like you don't stand up when the jet docks right like you wait because Sometimes it'll come out in five minutes and sometimes it'll come out in 15. It's just like whatever is happening in the airport at that point. When I landed in Dallas and in Dallas before that, I was like, dude, I, <laughs> the jet stopped and the jet bridge was there. I was like, oh shit, that's right. They do stuff. They are on it. Like, oh, yeah. get off the plane. Like, yeah, no, we got nobody's around. talking. Like, let's go, let's go. And I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's cool. Okay. Yeah, dude, it's funny. <laughs> yeah. Life is different, man. It is, man. It's. <laughs> It's good. 
dude, dude. Well, I want to thank you for your time. Dude, my pleasure. And I appreciate uh, next you. time you're in Dallas, please hit me up. And if there's anything I can do for you guys here, I mean, like I said, I work with a couple different people here. Great. Um, but um, yeah, if there's anything I can do, let me know. And then uh, I guess if you want to, this is your opportunity. If you want to say hi to anybody, call to action or where can people find you? How can they support you? So the best thing um, to, to the nonprofit is called Adaptive Adventures. And so it's just www.adaptiveadventures.org. Um, they can find information about the programs they do. They can find out where they are on the events page, where they're working. And then if they want to find me, they can find me on Instagram at, um, at Craig Dem, C-R-A-I-G-D-E-M. And my website is craigdmartino.com. And that kind of will give them some backstory too, if they want to see, you know, my disability journey, that kind of stuff, um, things that I'm working on and that has film links and they can get as much information as they want. So that's adaptive adventures is a great way for them to plug in if they wish to wherever Mm -hmm. they are. Um, so if they're here in Dallas, um, the VA will be working here on a monthly basis now, probably once or twice a month. So if they want to volunteer with them, that would be awesome. We can put them in contact with those people again through the website. They can just get my email and they can, we can connect them if they wish. So that would be rad. Yeah. Actually one more little random thing that just popped in my head. Um, the question is still formulating, but like, as I guess, how, what is the best way that a person can support someone who's disabled, who wants to get into an athletic sport? Is it just simply just inviting them in the invitation to say, Hey, come along. Or is there something else that cause I think a lot of people, it's like, it's like being white, going to your first black wedding. Like, <laughs> like do, do, what if I don't oh, want to eat? That was awesome. <laughs> it's like, you know, you, like if you, if you grab the spoon and you scoop it up, you put it on your plate. You're like, well, what if I don't want to eat it? Just don't let nobody know. That's right. Just don't um, let nobody know. I mean, that just, was, God, that was the best analogy I've ever heard. You know, it's like, like what are the rules <laughs> of engagement? Awesome. Like, how do, like, do I navigate this? Do I hug? Do, do we shake? Yeah. Like, uh, uh, fist bumps? Is it? Yeah. You know? They can, so I think, and myself included when, you know, when you get disabled, number one, you're, you're scared, right? You're nervous about everything. You're afraid you're going to get hurt again. So I think disabilities have a certain amount of fear that is attached to them by that individual, um, real or imagined. So I think that if, if they know someone who is disabled and they think, you know, this, this would be a good thing for them to do, just make the offer like, Hey, let, like, let's just get you there and see what you think. Because if they're working with like an organization like I work with, they're going to then as soon as they get there, they're going to have professional people there who can bring that person in and get them excited and safely enjoy whatever that sport is. So whether it's paddleboarding, kayaking, Mm -hmm. climbing, Mm -hmm. um, you just want to get that in. It's almost like once the invitation is there, they just kind of a little positive reinforcement to get that person to feel comfortable to go do it. Because I feel like people with a disability are like, Oh shit. Like I, it's not for me. It's not like, it's like you just said, like, well, if I go to the black wedding, like what do I do? It's like, it's fine. Just like, let's go and just check it out and just see how it rolls. And like, if this isn't your sport, cool. There's other sports to do. Um, you can, you can try this. You can, you can, if it's not your thing. Okay. But like, let's not just go back and sit on the couch again. Like let's, Let's, let's keep moving. Let's get yeah. out, do something. Um, cause like I said, like some of our veterans, they come to climbing programs technically, but they don't climb. They're just hanging out. Right. They're just, some of them, I actually teach the belay sometimes. I'm like, if you don't want to climb, that's cool. But like, do you want to be a part of it? Because there's more yeah. to this than just climbing. Right. Like, yeah, there's- that makes sense. That makes sense. And then what if there is no like trained professionals, trained help, but like, you know, someone at a job and they're like, they just, you know, they want to invite someone, but like, I, I, I mean, I definitely can understand someone's hesitation and fear because I think more people, and I, and I say this all the time, it's like, you know, if you, especially with like with George Floyd and all this other stuff, I'm like, I'm not telling you, I'm going to answer the question for you, but I might provide the resources for you to go find the answer. That's but so many people are awesome. afraid just to ask the question yeah. because they think the question itself is offensive. And in my mind, I look at it like white kids listening to rap. I'm happy. I mean, at the end of the day, you're, you're involved in the process. Yeah. You care about it. Obviously you're thinking about this, you know, you're walking around wearing Wu-Tang shirts, makes me feel (laughs) safe, you know, but like on that same premise, it's like, you know, I guess like 
it's still the same rule. I'm assuming same rules of engagement are applied. Just understand that like you are their person. Yeah. Right. And I think that, I think you, you just hit the nail on the head. It's like, if you're making the effort, that person is going to respond positively. They're not going to be like, you're an asshole. It's like, if you're making an effort and you're, and you're being honest and, and, uh, transparent and like, Hey, I, what do you think about doing this? That person with that disability is going to be like, Oh yeah. Okay. Let's go ahead. You don't have to have that professional staff person like, okay, now here's how we're going to do this. Like if you have a person like if, uh, and, and I can only speak from climber cause that's my world. Um, if, if I'm a climber, I know how to climb. And if you have a disability, you know, you're the expert in your disability. So you can work together and work exactly, around it. Exactly. Yeah. So as long as you have all the pieces, you just have to put them together and it's, it's a, it's a learning process for everyone anyway. Cause when someone comes to a program, I have to learn like what's going on. It's like, it's like you said, like everyone's different. So when mm-hmm. they walk through the door, I can look at them. The, the worst thing I can do is assume, oh, this person is this. Well, shit, I'm going to be wrong probably 90% of the time. Mm-hmm. So I let them educate me. Um, and that, that's everything that's like that. There's that crosses all the borders. Right. So it's like, they're going to educate me about their disability, their background, what they're expecting, like what, what is success for them. And then I can apply the climbing filter. Huh, that's actually pretty powerful. Like what is success for them? Yes. What is, so like, does, do you find that everyone who attends your events success is different for them? And do you ever, because I know for me, it's interesting you say that because in practice, I never say what is successful for the kids. Cause I'm always, I ask them a very simple question. I'm like, we're trying to send them out. Or are we trying to learn the move? And the kids are like, we're trying to learn the move. Right. And I always say, I'm like, cause why do we learn the moves? I'm like, cause eventually you'll just get to the top. They will link together. Yeah. You'll just, you'll be there before you know it. And I think that like, that's interesting. And I guess, is that a point of practice? Like do not define success in the beginning because I, my fear is the reason why I would never say it is I define success in the beginning and someone decides that they can't do that. They've immediately decided that they can't do it. And 100%. Then I don't want to be responsible for that. hundred percent. It's it's if I give them what the recognized um, success is, like you go to the top and clip the chain, then I've just negated anything they do below that. So if they only climb five feet and fall and can't go any further, then they feel like a failure because I just loaded, preloaded that expectation. Uh. Whereas if I say, what do you feel like is going to be a success for you today? And they say, well, like, oh my God, perfect example. That guy yesterday in the easy seat. Oh yeah. He said, I want to climb up to the big blue hold. And cause I said, what would you like to do? Like, what do you feel like is going to be a good success for you? And he's mm-hmm. like, I'd like to climb to that big blue hold. And I was like, dude, right on, let's do this. He climbed up to the blue hold and then kept going. And so when he came down, I said, his name was Cal. I said, Cal, why did you keep going? Cause you said you're going to the blue hold and he goes, cause it was so much fun. And I'm like, yeah. Oh yes, dude, that's what I'm talking about. And he goes, I just never thought it would feel like that. And I'm like, I know. Right. I was like, it's so cool. I said, your expectation was here, but you blew it up to here. So that means next time, no, like, okay, I can, I, I can aim here, but I can probably go here. And then that bar just keeps pushing up. And so if they are establishing what that success is, then you are just the, the mechanism. So exactly. Yeah. You're just facilitating and executing for them with them. That's like the most joyous experience too. Oh, it's awesome. I always jokingly say this to, in the beginning, when I first started climbing, I made a lot of my white friends so uncomfortable. I was like, this is the only time I was like, listen, this is the only time a black man has so much joy on the other end of a rope <laughs> supporting oh, you. God. and belaying you. I all love my- all my friends would be like, it disturbs me that you say that. I'm like, I'm not going to stop saying it until you said, and then they, they try hard. They're like, I just don't want to hear that anymore. <laughs> oh, that's but I think humor. I think I love humor in all situations. I just think it's so good because yeah, it's a great to. equalizer. It's a great equalizer. And I, I think it's wonderful. I don't think rock climbing would actually exist. Cause I can't tell you how many, like my buddy, Will Brock and I, we were trying to do this route called the velvet tongue. And he goes up for the pitch. We're trying to do this 12D trad pitch. He falls, crashes into me. I go up, I fall, I crash into him. That process repeats like four times. We're like mangled, bleeding, <laughs> la- like sitting there. And then he like lights a cigarette. And I, we're both smoking like these rollies at the crack at the top of this anchor that's too small for both of us. And we're just like hysterically start busting out laughing. Yeah. And we're just like laughing so much to the point where like I pee on myself a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And 
people who look at us and like, we tell the story and we just can't stop laughing. They're like, are you guys insane? I'm like, there's just nothing else you can do. Right. Like when you know you can't win, well, I don't want to say you can't win when you know, like the odds are just stacked against you. The only thing that is left is joy because joy is always there. No matter where it is, no matter how dark and gloomy. And I know there's some real dark shit going on in the world. So I want, I want to be very clear, but even then in the darkest times, like, and I actually, I would say this is true for most of the veterans I know, like they, they chuckle and laugh about some dark, dark, dark shit, but it's like, it's the only way because I think laughter produces a certain hormone in your body. And I think that hormone is the only thing you can do to regulate yourself when you are just when you're just at your wits end, like it, I, I, I can't imagine anything else. You can think about anything you want, but until you're like hysterically laughing, like you can't regulate your feelings or you can't regulate no, yourself. And, and the, it, it's at some point, the absurdity of it all just, it, you know what I mean? Like you just go, <laughs> fuck it. Like it just is, this is comical as fuck. Like yeah. I just, I'm like, I'm I just like that. Like that's, I've done the same thing where you're smashing into each other. You're like, what the fuck are we doing? Like this is ridiculous. And it's like, oh my god, like we the one we were oh my god on Zodiac at the, the second to last pitch, my friend's portal we flew the portal edge and he didn't put a swivel on it. So it fucking it just like wrapped up, right? So we end up he it was so bound up we had to cut it his portal edge apart like with a knife. And and it, about halfway through cutting it, at first he was like, oh, I can't play fucking A. This was so expensive. And about halfway <laughs> through it, we just started laughing. And same thing. I think I peed myself because I was like, this is fucking absurd. Like, <laughs> why did this even happen? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> so, yeah, you, dude, you got to. Yeah. Shit's funny. Like, just, yeah, just deal with it. Exactly. Yeah. Because I think the more you try to take it seriously, also to like, you create problems that you don't want. Uh. Um, it's yeah, I, I like I, I get the biggest kick out of when I watch climbers whip off something and throw a wobbler and just like start kicking shit and screaming and fuck this. And I'm just like, fuck and light. Yeah. Oh. oh, I'm guilty of it. I've had moments like that. And I come oh, down. We all have. And I come down and my friend was I'll never forget it. <clears throat> a friend, Cameron, he, like I had a temper tantrum at last chance and I came down and I walked by him and he was like, and be all right there, Junior, and smacks me <laughs> in my ass. And that I is just, like wonderful. I just could. I wanted to punch him in the face so bad, I could not stop laughing about it. Hayden Kennedy, did you ever meet Hayden? Oh no, but I know a lot of Fucking people know. God rest his soul. Hayden was a gem, and one of the first times I ever climbed with him, we were climbing at a Horseshoe Canyon Ranch, and we're sitting there, and this dude, uh, we were doing twenty four hours of Horseshoe Hell. This dude. Whips off this climb, he's pro climber. I won't say his name, and he throws a big, like a gigantic wobbler. And Hayden's watching him, and the dude lowers down, gets to the ground, kicks the wall, and Hayden goes, "Yo!" And the guy turns around, he goes, "Hey, lighten up, Alice." And I was like, "Oh fuck, 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 fuck!" And the dude just looked at him. I know this. I think they talked about this. He just laughed and walked away. And I was like, "How did you know that that would go that way?" And Hayden's like, "I don't," but he's like dude, it's a rock climb. Like, get over it. You're fine. It's fine. Like, just move on. And I was like, all right, I like that. I like the way I like that. You know, Hayden could climb like a mother and like a dude was a good climber, but he also was like, just, we should be having fun. Like this is supposed to be fun right? at the end of the day. So I'm thinking, uh, do you know, uh, Kathy Carlo? I don't think I do. She runs a really successful podcast. I think she's doing a big thing on Hayden. Hayden was, he was amazing. Yeah. Amazing guy. And the last time, the last time I spent, I spent with him right before he died, uh, about a month before Squamish. And he was in a, he was, he had his wing, uh, he tore his uh, rotator cuff. And so he had just had surgery. So his wing was all like wrapped up and shit. And we're driving up the highway to go to this Arcturex event. And we were just talking about like life and, Mm -hmm. you know, it was like, you know, he's like, what do you think about being a pro climber? I'm like, I don't know. I was like, it's weird. And I was like, what do you think? And he goes, you want to know what I really think? And I'm like, tell me. And he's like, fuck those motherfuckers. And it's like one of my favorite quotes. I say it all the time now. And he, and it, not that he was mad. He just was like the expectation. Is, he's, 
Yeah, he's like, dude, I don't go to the cliff every day, like, rah, raging. He's like, oh my no, God, it's but just. People think about it is, it's like, well, it, it's, it's because, especially in America, we have this imperialism mo- mindset, mm-hmm. like we've got to conquer totally. and do that. And I forget what video, but this French guy was like, no, no, like, you're at font, like, we just like, we climb at the rock and we have, we figure out the best path that it lets us travel through. And I'm like, yeah, you know, you guys might think this French dude is just stone out of his mind and being real, like, you know, futuristic and, you know, existential, but he's, he's right. He's a hundred percent right. He's like 100% right. Because I have been on plenty of routes in my life where I'm like, I'm going to make that like some routes you can climb into submission. I, I've done it. Like, like I just brute force. They it. are few and far between, but a majority of them, you, you, you just have to get broken. Like and, you just have to get broken. And I don't think, and I think people just have this misconception that like pro climbers, whether you are working and even in a climbing gym, like people don't realize like when they walk in, I tell the staff all this time, all the time, I'm like, you realize every person who walks in and gets a pair of rental shoes thinks you climb V10 and 514. Oh, absolutely. And they're just like, no way. And I'm like, can you tell me the difference between 512 and 514? Right. And they're like, well, yeah, one's hard. And I'm like, no, tell me the difference. Of right. it. And they're like, uh, I'm like, do you think they know the difference between five, four, like B zero and, and B four? And they just, it, the light clicks on and you realize like, as it is, like it, it's, it's technically all, it's really pretty stupid. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's all really dumb. Yeah. But like, yeah, I think that's beautiful. It's like, it's not supposed to be that way. You don't go to the crag that way. No. And I think that you, the, the faster you realize like, okay, there's there, we all have good days, we all have bad days. And like, there are some climbers who, you know, climb really well inside, but really bad outside and mm-hmm. vice versa. And, and I, and you know, once they, I think one, I, I just was talking to this girl last night. She was, we were, I was climbing and then she was trying this route and we were, just started chatting and she said, she asked me about climbing outside. And I said, yeah, I, I think it's, I, I just, that's what I prefer to do. And she's like, it just seems so hard and scary. And I was like, have you ever done it? And she was like, no, I don't want to. And I was like, but that's, that's, silly like you should try that so i was like you just want to be a gym climber and she's like yeah it's like that's fine like that's great like i think that's wonderful but i said just so you know like the outdoor world is like it's oh, pretty it's, amazing it, it, and, it's phenomenal but she lived in manhattan um she you know she's just i know like so gunks is probably the closest thing but i i totally sprayed her down with the gunks i was like if you get it like just go check it out like you might love it you you never know like um, but I think that people do have this misconception of like what a, cl- a good climber is. It's like, does that boggle your mind that like, I, like over the last 15 years, I have met hundreds of people who are like, who've been vehement, like, no, nah, I just, I never want to climb outside. No mm-hmm. desire. I just want to climb in the gym. And I think this is where the gym industry has thrived because this is where Bloomberg, Bloomberg magazine want to say in like 2009, no, 2000. 12, I think this is when this came out, 2012 to climbing, climbing business journal did an article on it, but they talked about how climbing was becoming one of the next big 500 fortune, you know, yeah, companies. they print money. Yeah. And, but like, that's it. That's why, because people, it's like, it's not CrossFit. It's not cycle, right? It's not this, but it's different, it's right? Different every day. And you have this subgroup of, uh, you have this, you have this subgroup of people who to my, it, you know, and it is what it is, but it blows my mind that like no desire to go out. And like no. one, one person I knew, like it made sense. This guy was a uh, orthopedic surgeon and another guy was like another kind of a surgeon. He was like, ah, just, he's like, I'll rock climb indoors and I'll warm up and I'll take like, take my kids, but I don't want to climb outside, potentially damage my hands. This nah, my, my I, totally, Which totally. I totally get it. But like, it's still to me to this day, it's just just a little bewildering to hear it's a little weird um i've had like multiple conversations with younger people and older people and like i had this one guy it was hysterical because he said uh came up to me at a gym in colorado and he was like you know what's your project here in the gym and i was like i don't i don't have a project in the gym really and he was like mean like what do you what do you do and i'm like i just come in and climb routes i mean just just climb a bunch of routes and He's like, you don't project in the gym? And I'm like, I really don't. I was like, I know that sounds dumb, but I was like, I just don't do that really. I said, I just, if I, I mean, I'll try a route a bunch and, but I don't think of it as like a project of I'm mine. I'm like, this is a, yes, this is I'm thing. going to do the yellow route. And he was 
completely baffled. And he doesn't, he's like, so when you outside, you do that? And I'm like, outside I do. I have red point stuff outside for sure. Yeah, yeah. And I said, but, uh, I don't translate that into the gym really. I just don't, that's just me. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm, I think that's great when people do. Um, and my wife is great. She can climb as well outside as she does inside. And I'm just like, I just don't do that as much. I, I, I seem to climb worse in a gym for whatever reason. Um, and she doesn't. And this guy was like, I could watch the wheels turning where he was just like, what the hell? He's like, I couldn't get, he couldn't get his head around it. Um, and I just think that that crop of people that that is their outdoor experience, even though it's indoor. And I think, I think it's great. I don't understand it myself, but like, I think it's great that that's, they've at least found climbing in that, in that realm. And that's, that's a good thing, right? Like that's, yeah. it's still exposing them to climbing. It's, and, and especially now with the Olympics and all this with that it's just yeah, like craziness yeah. Yeah, the world is changing it's not, rock climbing is i mean this would probably be another conversation i'd like to have with you on another day but like i've been working on this series idea called uh good old days and the good old boys oh and uh the and uh, the birth of the woody and it's just like it's just it's not the same like the climbing no. gym that i started in was a glorified woody oh and, totally same and it's blue and holds on buildings and shit. Right. Like, remember that? Like you, uh, there's a place, Matilda bridge. We can go do that. Oh, there's, there's a crack. It's, a. A, it's five, nine. It's uh, it goes at like five, nine B and you can <laughs> hand jam it. And you, there are chips on the outside. And then if you get it, then you sling the guardrail at the top. Oh, to the anchor. sweet. Yes. <laughs> that like was my early times. climbing experience. Man. I swear to God, like that's, you tell people that they're just like, what? What's wrong with you people? Uh, but in DFW, I've, I've been working on this little series that I've been trying to put together, and it's like uh, the best buildering in DFW. And one of my friends was like, "Ethically, I don't think you should put this video out because people are going to go people, do these things." Yeah, and I was right. like, e "Ethically, no." But I'm also going to strongly encourage people. I'm going to tell them like, if you get caught, you will be arrested. Oh yeah, and they frown on that. Yeah, <laughs> they frown on that shit. Yeah, cuffs suck. So. It does, and. But even like, even that, like, it's, it's like, I love climbing history. Like I'm, I, I am, I'm kind of not fascinated by it, but I, I find it interesting. No, it's, it's, it's wildly interesting it's when you get into the, the characters. Yeah. The characters who are, were like early climbing, it's like, but now like you start, I just had this conversation last night with the nonprofit. They got an autographed picture from Jeff Lowe and they were going to have it in this fundraiser. And she said, do you think that's a good thing to put in a fundraiser? And I said, Yes. I would buy it. Right. Because you know who Jeff Lowe is. But I wonder if I walked into Summit and even oh. your staff, right? If I oh. asked your staff, they'd be like, who the fuck's Jeff, Jeff Lowe? Oh. Like and maybe I'm, two people. Dude, that's sad, right? Like, that's so sad. I mean, is it though? Like, you know, I mean, I've always had this strong belief, like there's enough success to go around for everyone in the world. And I'm not saying Jeff oh, okay. Lowe needs the, I'm, Jeff Lowe does not need to go in any way, shape or form. But it's like, I think it's like the way I look at it is it's like there should be new people coming in and then they want to look at that person and then realize, oh, holy shit, your your inspiration is Jeff Lowe and I worship the ground you walk on. And I think if we look oh, at it good. this way, like generationally, like you should dig deep. You know, it's like people ask me, like, who was your favorite climbing star? Is it, you know, Kai Leitner? I'm like, Kai was in diapers when I was climbing, <laughs> you know? And, Seriously. You know, and they're like, who is it? I'm like, Tony Lamanichi. And they're like, who? Yeah, I'm like, who Leo is Holding that? And Leo Holding and Tony Lamanichi are people that I just like, I, I was just fanboying over because Tony is a monster. Tony, like. So I is mean, Leo. Yeah, Leo. So Leo's a monster in a different way. Oh, yeah. Tony, Tony's like world-class sport climber. Uh, established some amazingly hard routes, trad climber, bold, bouldering, really good boulder. And then now he's uh, now he works as this Swiss Alps like search and ski rescue. Yeah, and as a family a, man, he's an athlete. Yeah, he's he's a monster. Just an athlete. You um, know? And then Leo just doesn't uh, stop. Like no. he he. Because how old is he now? Leo's goddamn like in his like forties, late forties, right? early 40s. maybe okay. even late forties. Like, uh, have you ever watched um uh oh uh, what is it uh. Oh, I was literally just watching this video a few days ago. It's the old, uh, not return to sender. That's, um, sketchy Andy and someone else. Um, <laughs> that is, it, it will pop to me. It's a, a sender minute. film though. No, no, no. It's this old British film where they talk about, 
Uh, I have it here actually, but it, they talk about like yo-yoing. They start breaking down what's the red point, what's this, what's that. Um, it will come to me in a minute, but Leo's in there. And Leo has this heartfelt moment where he talks about like saving a project and like, yeah, I really want to get the onsite. And then he's like, you know, and you waste all, he talks about like, I've waited years to do these routes. And I just like, and then I never got on them because I didn't want to blow the onsite. Oh, oh, onsite. That's what it's called. Oh, okay. Onsite. And, um, dude, that's an old film. I know. It's my favorite. Have you seen it? I've seen parts of it. That's oh, an old dude. film. Oh, dude. He's like I have 12 it. in that thing. God damn, dude. He's like a, Yes. Yeah, um, dude. Though they show him and like he's in his early twenties when they're filming him. Okay. But they show him when he was twelve and doing all that other stuff. Ridiculous. But like Leo's an explorer. That's yeah. the thing I like about him. Yeah. Like the man is like he's not just a climber, he's a legitimate like expeditionist. He's well a and the stuff the new stuff he did, like even with the kite, like in yeah. Antarctic, like that's badass. Like it, you, it is. you look at that and you're like, God, that dude isn't just like you said, he's not just a climber. He's like, he's, a, he's all about that. He's like another age. Um, yeah. No, like if we were like, I, I'm, you know, I'm a Star Trek, a huge nerd, but if, you know, if we lived in the time of Star Trek, Leo would be like a captain exploring the universe totally, and just totally. being, he's Captain Pike or Captain Kirk. He's out there. It's, it's, and I guess that I, I actually, that, that's actually super helpful to hear you say that way. You just said that, like about if you like this person, then that they're going to then find that person through you. That's, I've never thought of it that way. And that's a really cool perspective um, because I always go, oh man, how do they not know who like Mug Stump is or how Charlie Fowler or all, you know, these people who are like icons when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And, but like they, they don't like it's, they don't, it's okay. It's like, yeah, that's a bummer. But like, they're going to, they can find out. They can find out. I think it's also our job to talk about them. Cause like totally. I, tell, I tell the kids a lot, like they're like, who's your favorite climber? Is it Chris Sharma? Is it this? And I'm like, I tell them, I'm like, Leo Holding, Tony Lamanichi. And they're like, well, wh- who else from that? I'm like, well, I'd probably have to say Steph Davis. I'd probably have to say, you know, then we go into Sharma. And then, you know, and they're like, who do you think is the greatest rock climber in all the world? I'm like, Danny Andrada. Oh, yeah. And they're like, dude's badass. Dude's he's not badass. the greatest rock climber. I'm like, fuck, like, he <laughs> is. <laughs> the man has put more bolts in the world. Like, I think he's bolted more routes on the planet than any one human being. Like, he's a monster. He's and, just a machine. And watching him, we saw him, we were in Spain climbing and I watched him climb and he was projecting this thing in a cave and uh, he went walking by, it was a ladder and I was like, what the fuck's that guy? Why does that guy have a ladder? And then he like turned and I'm like, holy shit, that's him. And um, so I'm like, let's go see what Danny's doing. <laughs> and we roll over and he, a buddy of his knew us and so he was like, hey, what's going on, Craig? And um, Danny was up on the ladder at that point and he just like waves and he was projecting from the ladder so he could like feel the holds and like he was trying to sort out like just micro beta and then watching him pull on. I was like, fuck, oh my God, dude, is a genius. I've watched him rock climb once in real life. And it's I did, amazing. And I, I, it was the end of a route and I'm just like watching him move and I'm just like, it is, it's just, it's second nature. It like, is. The, the only way I know how to describe it, it's like watching water pour over a rock. Yeah. Like it's just he like, and so we were in Rodiar and he was that's like his home stomping ground I guess been there yet. oh my god dude it's so, it's incredible it's gorgeous it's teeny tiny Spanish town in the mountains at the end of a road and this gorgeous oh my it's beautiful go and um he was so there's a river and we were on the one side and they were there's on the one side the roots are tall and the other side is these caves. But the river's just kind of carved out over the eons. Mm-hmm. And Danny was working this thing in the cave and they would use the ladder to get up to where the fault started basically and um, suss out the beta then. And just watching him, number one, I'd never thought to take a ladder to the crag. Number two, watching him like just do the micro beta. I was like, oh shit, like he's up there like just like lifting a finger to, to, to you know, like in your yeah, like, yeah. holy shit. And then you see him like start to link stuff and, and he, he was nowhere close to getting out of the cave but like watching him link like little things i was like oh shit man it's insane like danny would never do it because he doesn't like people that much i don't think but um if the man ever did like a master class like i'm i would i would want to take it just to understand like like what is what is your thought process and your like just like what is your analytical thought process to approaching a route like when you're gonna like break it down and like you know like like keep I would 
picking a ladder makes sense to me for bolting purposes because like I don't want to climb the route all the time. Right. I just want right. to like walk up but there. But to work on it. Like, I right? never would have thought of that. Same. Never thought of that. Same. No, no. And even watching Euros warm up, like like where we or my mentality of warming up is like, okay, I'm gonna do a couple burns on something easy, then I'm gonna get on something hard. Like watching those guys, they just get onto the project and just go bolt stop. Old stop, old stop. I learned that a lot. I learned that from a friend of mine who moved here to the States. And That's he, genius. He taught me that. He was like, yeah, man, just get up there. And he's like, and he was like, the moment you feel like you have to go, right. just let go. Right. And I was like, uh, oh, well, it's what so a- counterintuitive, right? Yeah. To and the US. Like, it's and like, he, and he was like, or he was like, dude, just like carry a stick clip on your harness. And yeah. he's like, just clip it clip and up. then go up, then grab the draw clip and then lower down. And I was like, this is Effing ingenious. And you, it's so counter the U.S. mentality. No, because like it's not original. Yeah, you're not fucking. You're just like crush. You're not crushing. You're just like, what is that? Like, yeah, and but hence why they're these guys are just guys and girls are just murdering routes. Dude, I watched the. I'm not kidding. The first time I climbed in Italy, I watched a Nona smoke a cigarette and climb 12A (laughs) while she was talking to her son. I'm just like, Jesus, what the fuck? And I was like, I can't. No, she's a murderer. Then, like, and I'm like, and then they had a picnic. I'm like, we were fucking climbing wrong. Like, <laughs> Nona has shit figured out. Like, the whole family. I was like, dude, we're doing this wrong. Yeah, yeah. no, take notes. Take, take notes. Fucking notes. Ah. All right. I'm, I'm going to cut this off because I know you got to be somewhere right soon. Thank and, you, brother. Uh, but, dude, thank you. Thank you. you. My and pleasure. I'd love to come down to Puerto Rico and climb with you guys sometime. Yeah. I got family in Puerto Rico. I think it's on the, what side of the island are you guys? We're on, on the north side. We we're near Dorado. Okay. Now they're they're on the other side. Ponce the tr- side. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, like their family's been there for generations. And that's like we we go over there, it's like two hours. We go over and climb in like an Aguadilla and mm-hmm. um those general those areas and and there's actually a lot of bolting to do over there too, but we we're we've been focused on where we live. So fair enough. Well, I will say this. It's like uh Chris Hampton big mentor of mine. Love that guy. Um, but he was suggesting that, you know, like, you know, I need to just like step out and do another things. And I've told you I'm bolting here in Texas, bolting a few other places. And then I've been contacting that. But like, that's one of the things I want to start doing is just like volunteering my time and helping Dude, out. And do. Oh my God. And so like, I generally will tell people like, I'll bring bolts and I'll leave them. But all I want to do is just like learn and do that. And you I don't have- even have to bring them. Dude, we'll give them to you. I'll, I'll drop and- a, drill in your hand and yeah hell yeah 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 and then i'm trying to uh um and then i was talking to tony siriana too and so i'm trying to have an opportunity to go with him but that man is insane so in, oh uh, just, no it's a tony no i said his name wrong who bolted all of siriana oh um is it tony uh, oh my god i have the book hold on no i he literally didn't. have it's, the book it's now, not, now it's I not tony Oh my God, that's terrible, right? Like, um, should know these things. Who is it? It's, um, what I like about this next moment is, hold on. Oh my God. Headphones, headphones. What I like about this moment is I'm literally just going to, oh yeah. Tony. He wrote the book. Yeah. Yeah. Tony, the man has bolted more routes there. Like you literally like 15 to 1600 of the routes are all his. And the whole area has got like what? 4,000 routes and like heat or more or less. Have you been there yet? Oh dude, Siriana. I know. Beautiful. It's just, my wife went here. Uh, our daughter lived in France for a while. And um, so my wife, uh, we were in Greece climbing and then she took her to where she was living and they went to Spain first. And Cindy was like, oh my God, we need to go back to Syriana. She's like, it's insane. Dude, it's so clutch. It's like right there. Like you literally, the cabins, everything else in there. I will say this. If you, if you do go, don't stay in the old wooden cabins. Do the ones that are trailers. Okay. That's the beta. Because the Good old beta. ones are creaky, creakety, rickety, and they don't hold heat or they don't hold in anything at all. Love you, Tony. But you're, that, that game needs to step up. And, and you, you just made a word up. Creakity. Creakity. A good word. I'm going to use that word. Yeah. Um, okay. So trailer, camper, trailer. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're up on the hill. Number nine, I think is the one you want. <laughs> okay. Yeah, man. But thank you for your time. Dude. Thank you so yeah. much. My pleasure. Oh yeah. All right. Mm-hmm.
So, I mean, love it or hate it, this dude is awesome. And I'm super excited I got to share this episode with everyone out there in internet land, audio land, wherever you guys are from. Hopefully you're from all over the world listening to this thing. And if you're from my neighborhood here in Big DFW, what's up? Thank you so much for listening to Sense and Suffers podcast. I appreciate every listener. I appreciate everyone. And if you enjoy this a lot, please check us out on our Patreon. You can join as little for $5 a month. We try to post monthly. And then as far as episodes, we're trying to post three episodes a month. It's been a little rocky, I know, sometimes. But we're here for it, and we're making sure we're bringing it to you. Like, follow, subscribe, do all the things, check all the boxes, leave all the comments, say whether you love it or hate it. As I said in the beginning, I need to hear from my haters, too. They help sharpen me, and my lovers, I'm here for you, too. But what I do want to know is, are you suffering? Because that will tell you whether you're sending at all. Try something a little different. Let me know how it felt. Don't know, yo, yo.